want to continue to worship God together, but let's do that by opening our Bibles. And uh, so why don't you grab your Bibles and go with me to the book of 1 Peter. Uh, we are going to be in 1 Peter tonight, 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 uh, is we're going to pick up, we're, we're, we're continuing this series on uh, transforming uh, your thinking, right? We, in, in order to help you in how you feel, I want to exhort and encourage you from God's word on how to think, uh, which I know will, will then impact uh, the way that you live. Uh, if we're honest, we've been feeling a lot of things lately, haven't we? And, and, and um, maybe you've been on in an emotional uh, roller coaster and feeling all the ups and downs like this is this is just bound to happen whenever you're going through a season uh, of of changes and 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 challenges and and honestly those are the kind of things that have uh, just been inescapable uh, for everybody in uh, this year the things that we've had to go through like you, you just you just had to deal with things that you didn't expect and and lots of changes happening and there's challenges that confront us and in the in, in the midst of those things we we feel a lot of things and I know. Uh, I, I know a lot of you have been asking prayer for wisdom and discernment lately, and, and so it's very likely that some of you are, are facing some, some big decisions that need to be made, and you're praying and asking God for those things, or maybe it's some, some big life changes, and, and life cha- maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's something uh, exciting, maybe it's something kind of scary, but uh, whenever there's change, no matter what kind of change it is, uh, that, that always does bring some challenges, and, and it introduces some levels of uncertainty about our future. And so um, maybe, maybe you're just feeling emotionally tense. Have you had some of that where you're just feeling emotionally tense about the things going on in your life? Or, or, or maybe, um, um, maybe you're kind of hitting some unexpected roadblocks or, or setbacks. Something happened um, or uh, you're kind of going through a tough situation. Maybe it's, maybe it's a tragedy. Uh, something that you, you really were hoping, that one of those phone calls or emails that you just really wish had never happened or, or there's some disappointments, things that you were hoping for and expecting and just didn't pan out that way or maybe there's some, some failures and some personal failures, some sin in your own life that you're kind of dealing with and so you're just feeling discouraged. Maybe you're kind of feeling like you've gotten the wind knocked out of you and, and you're just hurting and so, so maybe it's not just emotionally tense, maybe you're emotionally down. It's just hard to have a lot of joy right now, just feeling uh, weighed down by that. Or maybe it's not like uh, uh, something horrible that's happened or, or even immediately obvious, but, but, but you're starting to feel the emotional grind of chronic stress. It's just like a lot of little stress, all the everyday uh, little stresses on top of a year full of extra tension and, and uh, it's just kind of all adding up and you're trying to grin and bear it and, and make your way through it but you're just getting tired of that and it's just constant and it's wearing you down and, and so maybe you're not just feeling emotionally tense or, or you're just feeling emotionally drained. Like just kind of, blah, I just don't know how long I can keep going like this. And, and if somebody were to ask you, how, how, are you, how are you feeling? How are you, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Maybe you've been so up and down lately that your answer to that would change from one moment to the next. And, and you're like, honestly, like right, right now, I'm okay. but you know what? Just, just ask me again in an hour. Ask me tomorrow. Like it, it, it's just constantly changing like that. Well, we know... Um, 
that God has, has commanded us uh, in, in Philippians chapter 4, we're, we're supposed to rejoice in the Lord when? Do you remember? Always. Like, I'm, I'm always supposed to be rejoicing in the Lord. But if I'm honest, sometimes we're just, we, uh, there, there's just so many things swirling around in our minds, it makes it really hard for us to feel joyful and choose that kind of response. You, you know what I'm saying? Okay, so here, here's the deal. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1, but I want to I give you uh, a little bit of encouragement. This is a verse, uh, and I've got this, if the screen's working, man, thank you, Austin. You're amazing. Thank you for doing that. I, I want you to be able to see this. This is, th- this is a verse that we often use when we're, when we're, we're in counseling because we want to be able to provide some hope and some encouragement right up front as we're dealing, because all of us have been dealing with some of these emotionally tense, emotionally down, emotionally draining moments and, and, and we're struggling with those things, but, but I want to give you some encouragement here. Here's what 1 Corinthians 10.13 says. It says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. So, so here's what he's saying. What he's saying is this. What you're going through, it's normal. Okay, that's, that's, that's normal. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it, your actions or your words or your uh, attitudes or any of that is, is right. It's just saying, like, whatever situation or st- circumstance that, that you're facing where maybe your emotions are all over the place, but you're tempted to not always rejoice and not really trust the Lord. You're feeling the, the temptation for that. What he's saying is that's common to man. Like, Everybody feels this. Other people struggle just like you do with that, okay? Some weird, uh, strange encouragement for us in that. And, and yet then he tells us something about God. You see it? Look at it. Look at it. God is faithful. Man, we got to lean into that. We're going to continue to lean into that truth in the, in the coming weeks. But then he says this, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape so that you may be able to endure it. Notice, this is the one, one of those verses that gets ripped out of context all the time, and, and, and God does not say here that, that, that God will never give you more than you can handle. We go through more than we can handle all the time. I go through stuff that, like, I'm incapable, I'm, I'm too weak, I can't handle this. Like, we go through stuff like that all the time. But what he's saying in this is you don't have to give in to sin. It's temptation. You don't have to give in to that temptation. Listen, you don't have to be down with your face in the dirt right now. Like, sure, you're going to fall at times. Like, we're, we're all going to fall. But, 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 and, 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 and sometimes there is those moments where we're really struggling with these things. But there's some encouragement. There's some, some hope for us in this that we can get up and experience victory. We can actually live with hope and holiness. That's what I want to encourage you with tonight. It's just uh, so much of how uh, you're doing right now and how you're handling the circumstances and whatever it is that God has you on. In, in this moment, so much of that comes down to, uh, it starts with transforming your thinking. I want to show this to you. First Peter chapter 1, look at verse 13. That's where we're going to start. First Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 13. God, would you uh, just do this work in us, transform our minds, help us to think these, these, these thoughts after you. Here's what he says. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded Set your hope 
fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Let me give you the big idea. Here's, here's, here's what I want you to see in this text. It's this. Thinking with the right perspective leads to the right actions. Okay? I'm like super concerned uh, for those of you who are struggling with your circumstances that, that, that if you're not thinking rightly, you're going to react or you're going to respond wrongly and then you're going to be dealing with regret and missing out on the joy and the hope that you can experience in whatever it is that you're going through. And I'm also, not, I'm, I'm concerned, but I'm so convinced also that if we will, listen, listen, if we'll put down our devices and our screens that we escape to that are sucking up so much of our time and so much of our attention that, 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 that's just numbing our minds from the ability to focus on the truth, if you will pick up your Bible and seek God and, and meditate on these truths and allow them to inform your, your prayers and your conversation with God, a biblical perspective is going to fill you with so much much hope in the middle of whatever it is you're going through and it's going to compel you to holiness that you would think biblically and if you're thinking biblically you're going to have the right perspective and you're going to have the right actions in response to that and so I want to give you two exhortations that I see in this text for your perspective and your actions here's the first note this intentionally think about your hope intentionally think about your hope. Let's look at it uh, in verse 13. Let's kind of dissect this here. Here's what he says, verse 13, therefore. Now, uh, let's put this in your Bible study tool belt, right? Whenever we see the word therefore, we need to ask the question, what's it? Awesome. What's it there for? It's, it's, it's saying, it's moving uh, an idea across. He's saying, I'm going to tell you something in light of what I've just told you. Because of this, therefore. You see that? And so it's important for us to know what's just been said. And, and so the context here, uh, as we, as we uh, gear into verse 13, uh, what he's been talking about is the fact that these people, uh, the, the people that Peter is writing to, are experiencing, verse 6, he said, they're, they're going through various trials. Life is hard. They're going through some really tough stuff. Guys, life is hard, especially, especially when you're following Jesus. It's hard, and yet, verse 3, he said, you've, you've actually been born again into a living hope. He's saying they have hope in Jesus. And, and, and then verse 10 to 12, he's, he's talking about this message, this, this good news that actually brings you hope, the, the good news of the gospel that actually was prophesied in the Old Testament, and now you've heard it. And so you don't have reason to despair even though things are, are difficult and you're going through it right now. I know that, but, but here's the command. Look at verse 13 again. Here, here's the command. The main verb of this verse is this. Set your hope fully. Set your hope fully. Peter is exhorting them not to despair, but, but, but to hope. And he's, and he's like, guys, I, I know it's hard. I get it. I know what you're going through. But, but notice what he doesn't say. Notice he doesn't say, okay, listen, listen. Just hope, okay? Just, just do it. No, what he says is, therefore, hope. 
As in, I've just given you all of these reasons why you can be full of hope. And so I, I want to give you a little bit of an overview of, of what he just said. All of these reasons uh, that, that he's giving them to kind of bolster the reason why he's commanding them to be full of hope. What, what he's just said, verse 1, you see that they're, these are the elect. They are chosen by God. Praise God for that. Verse 3, that they've been born again into this hope because of the resurrection of Jesus. And verse 4, they've got this inheritance that's coming. God is guarding you. He's going to completely save you. And even though you're going through trials, I get it. I know it's hard. But, but, but he's refining you in that trial. And so even in the midst of that, you can love him. You can believe in him. And you can rejoice in him. And now you've received this good news, the gospel. Listen, the Old Testament prophets, he says, they, they, they were searching for that. Even the angels. Angels long to look into it, and you get to see it. So, therefore, hope. I just want to tell you, listen, listen. I don't know what it is that you're struggling with right now. I don't know the uh, where on that emotional roller coaster you find yourself at the moment. But can I just encourage you? You have so many reasons to be full of hope. Hope in God. I, I realize, though, that, that when we say these things, it, it feels a little strange um, to command ourselves to feel something, doesn't it? Like when I'm just supposed to, like, snap my fingers and you know, just feel it. I'm just going to feel hopeful. That's so much easier said than done. Especially when you get that disappointing phone call or, or email Or when you've been hurt. Or some of you are sitting here thinking, like, well, wait, dude, you have no clue what it's like to have to go to work for my manager or that person that I have to deal with on a regular like it's so hard to do that, right? Or, or when you're up late at night because your mind's just like they're just spinning and racing with all these worries and the and, and, and these fears. So how how are we supposed to how are we supposed to just hope? Well, he actually gives us two clauses here in verse 13 that are going to help clarify how to do this, how to set your hope. And, and, and it starts right at the beginning. Here's what he says. Look at it. Therefore, preparing your minds for action. Okay, so literally in the Greek, that would be translated this way. Gird up the loins of your mind. What in the world does that mean? Exactly. That's why it's not translated for you uh, it, like that in the ESV. Because th this is a cultural analogy that's a little bit lost on those of us who wear blue jeans. Most of us guys don't get up in the morning and, and, and put on a first century tunic when we're getting dressed. Okay, So you just have to remember, they wore some different clothes, a different style of clothes, and those clothes functioned differently. And so this, this analogy is just a little bit difficult for us to really appreciate. Thankfully, I have an infographic that I found. For those of you who want to bring back the tunic and, and start rocking this thing, now you will know. Do we have this? Awesome. I want to th thank the Art of Manliness. Uh, that, that's a pretty sweet uh, website right there. But now you know if you're going to gird up your loins, right, and you're wearing this tunic, you've got to, like, pull it all up and tie it around your waist. Here's the point is this. If, if you're going into battle, if you're trying to get some exercise, that tunic is not really ideal for that kind of movement. And so you got to do something to actually get ready. 
In fact, we've got a biblical example. I don't know if you remember the story about Elijah. Remember the story when Elijah was going into battle with the prophets of Baal, and he's calling down fire from heaven, and God like lit him up, and that whole sacrifice went up, and then he kills the prophets of Baal, and then you've got King Ahab. King Ahab got into a chariot, and the Bible tells us that Elijah girded up his loins. You could just like picture him doing this, and tying it up, and he ran ahead of that chariot, You wouldn't be able, it's not a dress, but there's no chance you're going to be able to outrun a a chariot without girding up your loins, even though that was pretty miraculous in and of itself. So here's the deal. I I, I know that, like, again, this is not something we're used to, and and I don't even know what I would do if I saw a guy walking on the street like that. So so I wanted to give you maybe a a little bit more of a 21st century analogy that might might help you. So so check this out. So so here we've got baseball. I was thinking about baseball. Okay. So you've got uh, Addison Russell there for the for the for the Cubs, and 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 you see he's got he's he's wearing his uniform and he's got his hat that's shielding uh, the the sun from his eyes so that he can see, and he's down in that fielding stance that we all learned in Little League. Remember that when coach was yelling at us to stop picking dandelions out in right field and like pay attention when somebody's up to bats like look alive look alive like you're down and you're ready here okay so what I want you to notice in this picture is that in order to be ready for action in order to be ready to play he's not wearing jeans and kicking back in the seat with nachos one of those guys is ready for action one of those guys is ready to play one of them is ready to be entertained it's just fine. There's nothing wrong with wanting to just be entertained. But actually, uh, can, can we sh- uh, check out what happened to this poor dude? Do we have this next, next, next picture? Oh, I'm hoping we do. Oh, that's so fantastic. So that actually happened in a game. Some of you may remember this. It was kind of a, a little bit of an infamous uh, accident. So, so Addison Russell came to play that day, and, and this poor guy, like he just he wasn't exactly ready for that kind of up-close uh, game action, and, and it became disastrous, especially when you're considering that that was what probably, I don't know, $35 for those nachos, right? That's a bad day. Um, Actually, uh, there, there was, I don't have the video, it would be cool to show it, but uh, apparently Addison Russell's a really good guy because later on in the game he brought him brand new nachos even though he's a Cardinals fan and you got the whole Cubs thing going on. And so, so, so that was pretty cool. But, but here's, here's, here's what I'm trying to help you understand. Are you ready? Are you ready for action? Is your mind ready like that? Are you down in your stance, ready for what's coming? Because if you're not ready, if you're not in that stance, you're going to have a hard time being full of hope when life gets hard if your thinking's not engaged. Here's why. It doesn't just happen. You don't drift into right thinking. You have to be intentional. You can't be lazy about this. And, and this is why I even brought this up. If, if you're just escaping, like, like I do, I know I'm, I'm guilty of this myself, but if we just kind of escape into the endless uh, streaming and scrolling, when, when we're, we're just getting on our screens and oftentimes we're, we're stressed, life is hard, what, what do we do? Let's kick back and watch Netflix. I know, I understand that that's one of our go-tos. But if that's what we're doing and we're just trying to pacify our stress with entertainment, and we're not mentally aware and engaged, and, and we're meditating on the truth of Scripture, and we're prepared to actively and intentionally think about our hope, then life comes at us fast. 
And, and, and when the hurts or the fears or the disappointments or the stresses sneak up on you, you're going to end up like that dude who lost his nachos because he wasn't ready. We've got to be prepared. Get your mind in gear. You have a brain. God gave you a brain. Use it. And use it on purpose. And use it for the purpose for which he gave it to you. He's saying, therefore, hope. You have, that you, you can intentionally think. Use your mind to bring to mind the, the, the reasons, all of these, uh, these blessings of God. And, and think about these reasons that I have to, therefore, hope. Man, when we're not feeling particularly hopeful, I mean, how many times do we actually hit pause and, and just open up our Bibles and allow God to reorient our perspective on what we're going through and to start to mentally list out all of the blessings and praise our way through all of the reasons that we have to be full of hope? And so many times it's like, man, I just don't feel very hopeful right now. Wait, 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 wait. What's true? What is true about God? What is true about your circumstance? Have we taken the time to think about those things? And we allow the truth. We, we prepare our mind for action so that we let our thinking, which is informed by Scripture, actually direct our emotions. Gotta be ready. He says, prepare your mind for action. Then there's another clause here that's helpful. He, he says, and being sober-minded. Okay, so hopefully you don't understand this analogy by experience, but uh, someone who is drunk can't think straight, right? Their brain is not working properly. It's under the influence. It's, it's blurred. It's all, it's all confused. It's, it's unstable. What he's saying is I want you to be sober in your mind where you're able to think clearly and make sense of what you're experiencing without the intoxication of, of fear or worry or doubt, or, or uh, anger, or, or lust, or any of these things that just cloud our ability to think straight and, and, and see clearly. And this word, sober-minded, has the idea of self-control. So he says, don't, don't let your mind be controlled by your emotions and your sinful desires. Those things will cause you to just become disoriented when, when life's coming at you. And, and then you start to lose the proper biblical perspective, and, and you start to feel like your situation is hopeless unless you can do something about it. And so a lot of times what we do is then, then we just spend hours thinking about it and dwelling on it and, and worrying about it, because worrying, honestly, what it does is it gives us this false sense that we're actually doing something about our problems when we're actually not. Or we go out and buy something because it makes me feel better. Or uh, we try to just manipulate our circumstances so that we get our way. We get what we're really hoping for, what we want. Or, or we hold on to and we defend what we have for our own comfort. Or we start looking to relationships for security. Like, I have to have this. I cannot lose this. Or, or, or we even... Uh, Start doing things to try to draw attention to ourselves because we just crave the affirmation. We want to hear that people love us. They accept us. We want that so badly. I'll do what it takes to have people notice me. Or then we, we, we get angry on the internet, internet 
and, and on social media and we start blasting out all sorts of things because we're looking at what's happening in the world and we start to fear and we get angry about it so we just lash out in that. Listen, I, I know that you, you can see when someone is not sober-minded. When, when, when they're so stressed out or frantic and anxious or when they're depressed or, or when they're uh, angry, undisciplined and distracted and, and, and chasing after all of their addictions and they're just miserable. It's because they're not calling to mind the truth that reorients our perspective. He says, prepare your mind for action. Think actively. And then being sober-minded, think clearly. Which is why I said it this way, that you just intentionally, intentionally think about your hope. What, what are you supposed to think about? Your hope. Look at it. Look at the text, verse 13. Set your hope. That's what we're thinking about. But set it on what? Set your hope fully on what? It's, it's the grace, he says, that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, so he's indicating Jesus' future return. But what, what, is this, what, what is this grace? You're gonna, he says you're, you're going to receive, it's going to be brought to you. You're going to receive grace at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, so what is this grace that's going to be revealed What's the grace there? Well, I think he's actually answered that already. If you look back, you got it in your Bibles. I've got it for you on the screen. This is verse 5. Look, look at verse 5. Here's what he says. He's talking to these believers, and he says, You who by God's power are being guarded through faith for, a, here it is, a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Salvation is what will be revealed. Your, here's what he's saying. Your salvation will finally and fully be realized or revealed when Jesus comes again. And I know that's, at first we're like, well, wait a minute, time out. I thought I already was saved. Like, Jesus already saved me. Yes, your salvation is an already not yet reality. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ because of what he did for you on the cross, then you are saved, you are forgiven, you are justified, you are accepted by God, but you're not yet glorified, right? There's still some work that, that, that God is doing in your life. And so what we're understanding here is, yes, the world is a mess, and you and I were part of that mess, and we were under judgment too, but Jesus has, and he is in the process of and he will bring this work of salvation to completion. And none of us deserve that. None of us deserve this. That's why he calls it grace. That God is going to set all things right. Listen, he's saving you. That's what he's doing. And he's going to, he's going to finish the job. And, and when we think about what Jesus is doing, that changes our perspective on our circumstances, doesn't it? It helps me think rightly, helps me think clearly. And, and I realize I really don't have any reason to, to despair. I don't have reason to, to doubt God. I don't have, I don't have reason to, to, to be fearful or, or to be anxious, to be disappointed. 
The truth is, he is good, and he's doing a good thing in our lives, and it will ultimately be finished when he returns. And so what that means is in this moment, I can trust him. There's so much hope that I have, and I'm going through, man, all these tough situations, these various trials that he told about. We have hope in the midst of this. Don't dwell on all of the negative reasons that that make you think that you have the right to be irritable or depressed. Don't don't dwell on all the what ifs or the the what mights and start believing lies that'll make you feel worried and and, and scared and and tense and anxious and angry and frustrated and frantic and desperate for security. He's saying intentionally think about your hope. You will be saved by his grace. So look, look what he says though. Look at the command. He says, set your hope on this. But, but it's not just set your hope. It's set your hope fully. That means completely. Not just a little bit. Don't hold back. Not just like, like I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to like, uh, dip my toe in, like jump all into this. Commit to thinking about what's true and focusing on God's grace to you. That's what I'm going to commit to thinking about. And I'm telling you, if we do this, it is going to be a witness to the power of the gospel. Because while everybody else's lives are unraveling and coming apart and they're self-medicating to no avail and it just feels and looks absolutely hopeless, we are the people who can walk through fire and even suffering with joy in our hearts because we have hope in Jesus. No matter what we're going to go through, it doesn't change this truth. And then you and I get to live sent and point people to that hope. There's hope in the midst of what you're going through. Amen? So let me give you the the, the second exhortation because, remember, thinking with the right perspective leads to the right actions. And so here's the second thing. Note this. Imitate your father's holiness. Minds that are transformed by the gospel That changes how we live. The command in these verses, 14 to 16, the the, the overwhelming command is this. Be holy. Hey, be holy. But I want you to notice it's because of grace. That's what we're setting our minds on. That's the thing that we're thinking about. We're dwelling on this grace. And there's actually a hint of that. If you're looking at verse 14, look, look at the beginning of verse 14. I love this. He says, as obedient, what? Didn't we just sing that tonight? I am a child of God. This is appropriating the gospel. This is, you, you are a child of God. Not because you deserve it. Not because of anything you've done. But because he has adopted you into his family even though you didn't deserve it. You belong to him through Christ. And he's saying because of that, because of who you are in Christ, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. What he's saying is, listen, that's who you were. You were ignorant Ignorant meant you didn't, you didn't know. You didn't have hope. You, could, you couldn't see it. You couldn't see the right perspective because you couldn't use your mind to think rightly. And so what happened was your passions and your emotions controlled you. But that's not who you are anymore. You've received the grace of God. So don't go back. Don't go back to who you were before. Don't be controlled by your emotions and your sinful desires. What we're learning is what he's trying to say is this. Get off the feelings train. Remember that? 
Let's put that up there again because we went through this a couple weeks ago, but I think what he's trying to help us understand is there's so often that this is just comes naturally to us that whatever I'm feeling in the moment, it just drives the train of my life. And I act or I, I react or I respond or I say something or my attitude is just based on how I feel. And then I think about it later and realize that was a train wreck. Like I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm feeling angry. Or I'm feeling discouraged, or I'm feeling depressed, I'm feeling hopeless, I'm feeling desperate, I'm feeling, I'm feeling anxious. And what he's, what he's trying to help us understand is don't let the feelings, the passions, the emotions dictate how you act, what you say, what you do, how you react to this. Reverse it. Think first. I get it. You're going to feel these things. But the gospel transforms our thinking, and as we learned before, that when we think biblically, we can discern rightly so that we can live differently. And this grace that we're setting our hope on, we're thinking about this, I'm thinking about the grace that I've received, it reminds me, we have a heavenly Father. I belong to Christ. I belong to this family. He's not going to change his mind about me. I don't deserve this, and yet because of this, he's called me to be holy because he is holy. And we want to be like him. We want to imitate our Father's holiness. Now, we're not God. We can't be God. Only he is holy, holy, holy. But he makes us holy in Christ so that we can be pure, so that we can be set apart from sin. So you don't run back into sin. That's not who you are anymore. It matters how we live. And we want to live in light of who we are. So I can't do something wrong. I can't uh, lash out at my kids or angry drivers on the road. And I, I, I can't... Um, get defensive with my spouse and, and, and try to hurt them back when they've hurt me. Or I, I, I can't uh, ignore, choose to ignore responsibilities when I'm depressed or, or make foolish financial decisions or um, jump into uh, sinful relationships or, or cross a line and go over something I know. I, I, I can't sin and then try to justify it by saying, well, it's just how I feel. I can't help how I feel. That's not who you are. You are a child of God, and you are called to imitate his holiness. And what we get to do is is we get to direct our emotions. We get to tell them what to do. We get to direct how we're feeling and our actions and our reactions by how we're thinking. I think it starts by asking, maybe, maybe I'll give you two very practical questions that you can ask. You can ask these two questions. Is this true? And is this holy? Whatever it is I'm going through right now, whatever it is I'm feeling, the thoughts that are coming to mind, is, is this true? And the way that I want to act, what I want to do and what I want to say, the, what, the attitude that's is is this holy? And you're going to have to go to the book to find those answers. Which is why we biblically counsel ourselves in those moments and we biblically counsel each other. 
We try to share the truth about what is true, what has God said, and how does he want us to live. The encouraging part is this. God is the one who is going to fill us with hope. And he's the one who's working in us to make us holy. But we can experience this. We don't have to be controlled by whatever it is I'm feeling in the moment. God, I pray that you would do this work in us. Lord, we just confess so many times we're on that emotional roller coaster and sometimes we jump on the feelings train and we just run with it. And too many times I've made mistakes because this is how I feel. And so I say something or I have an attitude or I do something, I react, I respond. I make a mess of it. Lord, you just want something so much better for us than that. And God, I pray that whatever it is, Every single person in here, you love them so much. You know what's going on, and you care. I pray that right now, you would help them to set their mind on the hope. Set their hope on the grace of what you're doing in their lives to save them. I pray that that perspective would help change how they're going to respond, what they're going to say, what they're going to think about, the the attitude that they're going to have. Lord, we want to be holy as you are holy. Thank you that you are doing this work in us. You are a good God. Thank you that you love us.